Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as they will be every single week, are my Force-sensitive co-host, Chris Frodell. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and Shane Beauregard. What up? All right, man. Later on in this show, we will give our thoughts on the first three episodes of two massive TV shows in Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Boys, both uh, having massive debuts recently. But up top, we will get into some wild selections with our recent activity. All right, for this week, we have an amazing selection. We have fall festival stuff. We have... Uh, newly made body horror stuff, and probably the craziest, my favorite show on television. So we got so much to cover. Uh, first, I want to talk to Shane about Crimes of the Future, the <laughs> David Cronenberg movie that just was nominated for the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. This stars Viggo Mortensen, Leia Sidhu, and Kristen Stewart. A lot of body horror, a lot of weird stuff. Tell us, Shane. What was your experience about a movie that I've heard, you know, people walking out of uh, that it's so intense? It, it, it was an experience. I can tell you that. It's one of those movies. It, it, by the way, don't undersell Scott Speedman, please. He was also in this film and he played a pretty big role. Fair point. All right. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. No, it's one of those movies you get done watching and you're trying to explain to yourself in your head, like, how do I even begin to explain what I just saw on the screen? Because I like David Cronenberg, but I am more of a history of violence. Eastern promises, Dave Cronenberg, same, not so much video drone, Dave Cronenberg. Yeah. I'll and do I, the fly. I'll do some of the older ones, but I'm not like an, an appointment viewing Cronenberg person. Right. Right. Uh, and I love Viggo Mortensen. So when I had the opportunity to go see this, I was, I was on the fence. But I'm like, you know, all right, I don't know how long it's going to be here. Let me just take the opportunity to go. And this movie's divisive. You're either going to like it or you're just not going to like it. The audience score on this is like 44%. The critic score is like in the 80s right now. So basically, the the quick plot, as you, can, as you know, humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, Saul Tenser, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. So Yeah, and the trailer didn't give me much more either than what you're saying. Right, so basically he is what they call a neo-organ generator. He just sleeps in this alien-like chair, which was weird and funky, and he eats all this mush stuff, and he, <laughs> he just grows new organs. And he has the ability to kind of grow kind of what he wants and then his hot french girlfriend uh <laughs> yeah. publicly <laughs> like takes them out of him and then like, they catalog it and stamp it so it's very off-putting some of those scenes where like people are mutilating themselves with scalpels and Kristen stewart's character is really weird but she's good in in a good way she plays this really horny government worker cataloger <laughs> who gets like really obsessed with Viggo Mortensen's character. Huh. So this movie does play around like bigger plots like environment, um, global warming, where human evolution is going to, what's really considered art, how far can you push the body with certain things. So the, it was kind of a tough watch because it was a slow burn, but there is a twist. I'm not going to, I'll talk non-spoilers. It, there was a twist in the middle of the movie and I'm like, oh, okay. It had me intrigued 
and there were several parts I really had to close my eyes on, and that's strange for me to say. <laughs> sure, yeah. It opens up with a very tough scene to watch, um, and that's where Scott Speedman's character comes in, and it ultimately intertwines with Viggo Mortensen's character towards the end of the movie. Right. It, it was something else. I will say the French girl, I can't pronounce her name. She is a, do? Yeah, she's from, a uh, smoke show. Oh, yeah, and Glorious Bastards, uh, you know, she uh, broke out there, obviously. Uh, what was the one she was just in? That, uh, oh, the French Dispatch, she was just right. in that she, as well, which I like. So yeah, there, yeah. Is, there is some good nudity in here, but Kristen Stewart pretty much, like, tags, line, tags the line, surgery is a new sex. And that was the part where there were some shows and some scenes in there, some orgy stuff going on, where I'm like, how does Cronenberg... <laughs> How does that seep into your mind? Because there's some disturbing stuff in here. And I will say, no one walked out of the theater when I saw it. It's impressive. Although, if anyone can pull that off, it might be David Cronenberg. Right. So yeah. I I would recommend this film, honestly, because I'll give Cronenberg credit. If you're looking for an original film, it's pretty original. Like, it borrows some themes from the dystopian future, but as far as the movie goes along... It's a, it's a dark, dreary, original movie, but it's a one-time view for me. Well, I could buy that. I mean, it's intense. And obviously, if you're going to try to see something like that, I think a lot of people are going to watch it at home, frankly, because you know, <coughs> the box office wasn't too great over the weekend or anything. Um, but I will say that a movie like that, I, I might try to really try to seek it out. I tried to do it over the past week. Uh, it was a very hectic week, it especially with us covering a bunch of TV or whatever. But, man... The, that right. is a movie that you probably need to experience in a movie theater. And it was. One last quick note. I was shocked because um, I expected to go into it with like four or five people in the theater. Right. It was over half full. Yeah. Which I was really surprised at. So, Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things that it was limited and maybe they'll open it up a little bit. But we'll see uh, how that goes. But I don't know. It, it, this movie is such a tough sell. I don't know what the like the the market was or what their thoughts were on the box office but you know i think they made you know a few million dollars like it wasn't anything big but i, I would have to look at the more per screen average to see whether it was considered you know not a bomb but just unsuccessful for for him plus i can't remember the last movie that he did where maybe it was considered a hit uh, like he hasn't exactly they have to have an expectation these days for what that's gonna be like that movie belongs to be like in theaters for a few weeks and then ends up you know being more of a pvod thing into maybe a shutter exclusive or something else so yeah so like he didn't make a feature in the last eight years and a little before then he was still probably i don't know about bankable but you know cosmopolis probably did something because that's uh, Pattinson, uh, A Dangerous Post. Method. Uh, I did see that one as well, but again, a very small movie. Um, Eastern Promises was a one before that, so 2007. So I feel like, you know, like you said, Shane, 05 and 07 with History of Violence and Eastern Promises back to back. I feel like that was the last time where he was maybe in the center of attention as far as his abilities. Um, but obviously, and there was a big gap between. That and his previous, you know, crash as extends and naked lunch and that period too, dead ringers. Yeah. So like he goes in these like decade gap. He takes a long time to kind of figure out what he wants to do next. 
So, and I see he already has another one in pre-production. So we'll see. This one's definitely getting a lot of attention because of its cast and how, you know, the freakish body horror stuff is back for him. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see if this one turns into like kind of like a late breaking kind of hit, you know, when it delays on to PVOD. Because, like I said, I don't think a ton of people saw it over the weekend outside of uh, my hardcore cinephile friends who maybe caught it around here. Um, Chris. Yes? You're doing <laughs> Come here, lover boy. Um, <laughs> sorry. I have a 60 song stuck in my head. Um, your movie, uh, Emergency, is a movie that I we kind of talked about, I think, previously on uh, other episodes where we were like, this was kind of anticipated, maybe not in the yeah. most anticipated category, but definitely something we were looking forward to. Uh, this was a Sundance entry for this past year. Uh, well, the 2022 Sundance. It was based on uh, a short of the same name, which was a Sundance entry from 2018. So basically, like, kind of did the proof of concept and now made the larger movie. It was picked up by Amazon uh, and is currently on there. Uh, the debut was last week on I that one. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a busy Friday. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, and this one starred R.J. Seiler of The Harder They Fall from netflix if anyone caught that movie i thought he was very good in that uh the plot is ready for a night of legendary partying three college students must weigh the pros and cons of calling the police when faced with an unexpected situation chris how was emergency it it was engaging It, it i was like oh this is gonna be like you know fun (laughs) it's it's gonna be you know which it was the trailer does a good balance sure See, I didn't see anything like that because you were you were like, "Oh, emergency's playing and emergency's playing." And I was like, "All right, I'll check out emergency." Right. And then, uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I love movies like this where you know it's low budget, it's you know uh, minimal cast, right? Um, aside from like you know the four or five main leads, mm-hmm. um, I forget what I said it sounded like, but then Shane corrected me. It was to a T. This uh, I said it reminded me of Dope, right? A really good uh, movie back in what 2015, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, uh, and uh, super bad. Yeah. So you know they're tasked to do this thing throughout an evening, and uh, a lot of uh, zaniness ensues, mainly due to uh, the fact that they're uh three guys of color yeah trying to help this white girl who just happens to mistakenly come into their dorm or their house right uh and she's a little worse for wear so they're trying to get her some help they're trying to get her to either a hospital and it's not so cut and dry it's not like oh we'll just bring her there it's going to look bad on us, right. you know, it's, you know, it doesn't end well for people of color when you have this strange girl, uh, in your possession. Sure. And, uh, you know, they are really put in this situation where what do you do Yeah. if you're in that? And, uh, I like how they played that and it does get kind of serious mm-hmm. at some points, but uh, overall, it's like, oh, man, what else can go wrong? You right. know, much like, you know, the, the guys in Superbad, they 
you know, had a task of getting the liquor for a party. Mm-hmm. And these guys just want to attend a party, right. a series of parties. So this kind of puts a, uh, uh, a wrench in it. And uh, it, it was, <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but it was a fun ride. It was. <laughs> um, but it feels more topical and relevant. Uh, maybe oh, yeah. then something like Super Bad, which is obviously like a yeah, like a one night sex comedy or not a sex comedy, but you get it. No, like, the, they, that they were out for that goal. That, sure, yeah. yeah. So it definitely Where has these guys a different wanted feel. to. These guys wanted to be the first of attending the, a series of these parties, right? And be up on this uh, wall of uh, other people of color. Oh, okay. So it was it was sort of like this uh, a rite of passage uh, a a thing to be remembered for sure yeah know? yeah it's a legacy thing that yeah. when you're in school and trying to do it which is great That's, exactly so a lot of stuff you're saying I, is the reason why I was so intrigued about it coming out of Sundance and of course you were like oh, I saw it because Andrew was like emergencies coming out emergencies coming out. And I am that the only idiot terrible. who yeah. didn't watch it <laughs> for this episode. But Shane, uh, you did as well. Do you echo a lot of the same sentiments as Chris? What did you think of Emergency? I really liked it. I thought the cast worked really well together. Um, they had chemistry throughout. I like to give a shout out to the actor uh, Donald Watkins, who played Kunye, because uh, he's from Green. I learned he's from Greensboro. He went to Greensboro College. Oh, cool! Right here in North Kakalaka. Um, <laughs> I-, I was wishing. Because this is kind of heavy. It does get heavy towards the end. And there's one dramatic scene that, you know, people of color have to go through. So I was hoping this would be more comedic. It really wasn't. It was it, it's lighthearted at the beginning. Uh, right. And then it kind of gets heavier as the movie goes along. But I love the actor who played Carlos. I thought he was funny. The only thing that really reminded me about Superbad is, like, some of the themes with uh, one kid's going to school. They're not going to be roommates anymore. And, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of breaking up the band. You know, sure. we've seen yeah. that in plenty of other movies, but I oh, thought it yeah. was, I thought it was well done. I thought the cast clicked on this, uh, and it was very topical, and it really makes you think. Um, you get put in their shoes, and you're like, shit, like, yeah. yeah. So I, I liked it. I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. I thought it was a good pickup for Amazon Prime. Is there a place? You know, we've been talking about more of their shows lately, but I thought their film department's been kind of lacking uh lately a little bit so it's nice to see that they did actually pick up something of interest for me from one of the the festivals that came through and hopefully maybe they got more to come uh that we'll be excited for as the year goes through um what i brought to the table is something we all just caught up on and it's it was my i will say it was my number five only because only one episode had come out at the time it was my cheat code for for our top five tv shows of the year thus far episode that we did some weeks back this has now got to be either number one or right up there like this is an incredible season of barry season three um bringing back bill Hader's amazing show into the fold that always has some episodes that it's just so deliciously dark comedy that i just there there's always some action scene that happens that's completely outlandish that makes me laugh or there's something that his his, just a deadpan delivery to something that's so awful (laughs) that happens that just makes me laugh uh there's so much of that this season is it, it feels like the show is getting progressively darker because you know barry's kind of gone through the ringer he's no longer you know he's not 
taking acting classes. He's maybe trying to work here and there, but it's mostly just he's constantly on the run in this season, and I like that. There's so many people hunting him, uh, mostly at the urging of Stephen Root's Fuchs character, uh, who you know, and then of course now uh, with this last episode that just aired, um, the most formidable might have emerged in the last uh, bit here with Jim Moss played by Robert Wisdom, who I liked on Burn Notice, and I'm sure Shane uh, can echo that as well. Um, but he's he's been a bunch of things. He is an ex-interrogator and the father of the slain detective Janet Moss, so now he's kind of in the fold, um, putting the screws to Fuchs and trying to figure out what's really going on. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. And, you know, <laughs> we were kind of talking off air. Sally... And 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 Barry's stuff has been some of my favorite things thus far. And she's currently now even unraveling from her like sudden like peak of stardom and then dropped off the face of the earth um, with kind of a backstabbing to go along with it. So a lot of that stuff is cool. The Gene Cousinow career arc <laughs> backup uh, with getting a master class and and bring in fun characters like um, Laura Sangiacomo in here as well. So. So many cool things. And I also love uh, Fred Mel- Melamed, uh, who I loved in the show Casual, if anyone's ever seen that. But he was also in, like, a couple Coen Brothers movies, like A Serious Man and Hail Caesar. Um, he was also in Lady Dynamite, if you saw the Maria Bamford show that yeah. was out on Netflix. So I love that guy. Um, he's He always ends up playing some either kind of, like, agent lawyer thing or some kind of, like, intellectual who's so far up his own ass that it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, and he, so he fits the bill for, uh, perfectly on that one. You guys just caught up with this one. I'll start with Shane on this. What, what are you enjoying about, uh, this season of Barry? Just about everything you said. I like how he's on the run. He is, uh, I love every scene he has with Sally. This show is just so brilliantly written. It's, yes. uh, and there are so many throwaway, like you, you may overlook a scene. Like my favorite scene from tonight's show, to be honest with you is when Noho Hank was in the alley asking where the, the his boyfriend was, and he's yeah. watching the guy load up the dart gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I thought that's what you were going to do, but I didn't want to cut you off to be rude. Yeah. Right. It seems like that, that I, I just think are gold. And they are. I, I'm, oh my God. I'm interested to see where Barry's going, because I think we talked off here, like, this does give me some Dexter vibes where more people are finding out, yeah, this guy's not who he seems to be. So I kind of... I'm curious to see because I don't, not that I don't like shows like this, but like when you're constantly getting yourself out of a situation, it's like, I like to take a breather between those things. So I I kind of, I'm kind of curious to see how he's going to deal with his little ex Marine buddy. Um, Yeah, that seems to be the big one between that and the, uh, the detective situation, that whole Gene Cousinow storyline is so like bizarre, but it's so engaging with, you know, uh, trying to deal with loss, but also being like so into your career that you're just like, I love being in the spotlight again, that kind of thing. Yeah. And obviously Sally's going through a version of that too, you know, having Barry in her orbit, which helped and then really, really didn't help. And then, you know, just this transformation of her character um, where she's always been high strung. It's always been odd, but What she's going through, I love the addition of kind of turning the Hollywood system and the studio system, adding the streamers and everything else into the equation and kind of like 
showing them their ass in this episode uh, as well. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that uh, with kind of um, the Medusa thing, the three Medusa, yeah. whatever it is, where <laughs> it's just such a stupid show, but could seriously be a streaming show right That's now. That's a CW because... show right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And oh, what's her name from um, SNL? That was the studio, like the streamer studio executive that was trying to convince her to get into the writing room. Uh, Vanessa Bear. Yeah, Vanessa Van- Bear. Vanessa Bear. Her interaction with the agent, where it was like, we're trying to make the show go from a huh to a huh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just making those like little subtle things to be like, well, she doesn't really do uh, she really does uh huh, <laughs> you know, like yeah. those little ah, uh, so good. Uh, that is like perfect SNL improv kind of stuff that I was just like, this is so good. Uh, borderline Kids in the Hall, which is also very yeah. good right now for Amazon Prime to champion them again. Um, it, the interesting thing about this show, and I, this is a broad perspective thing, but I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, everyone complains about Marvel, how it's like, oh, it's this, it's a writer's room. It's this like so many cooks in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. That's what a lot of the best comedy shows have been over decades. So there are ways of doing this. And I love the people. There are so many good comedians that I actually know that are in that writing room that I just love. Uh, So I would say just get the right people and you'll make it work. You know? Oh, yeah. You got to get your own sallies to stop, uh, you know, people (laughs) from uh, stoning someone's dick or whatever. (laughs) Like there, there's, uh, there's like three kind of vibes to that. Uh, what you're saying, yeah. Uh, I get from, uh, I, I hear that with uh, Modern Family, mm-hmm. like, oh, this happened in my family. We can incorporate it into a show. Yeah, sure. Same thing happened with uh, the Goldbergs. Yeah, Goldbergs. Uh, you know, not all that stuff happened to them, but it's like, oh, what do you remember from the '80s? Yeah, that's in the show. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's the other one? Uh. uh this was referenced in uh, this last episode. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. Mm, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it, yes, it was based on his stand-up, but also what happened that was weird with this. It's yeah. in the show. Yeah. And a lot of that is is kind of like the basis for Barry. Yeah. Because uh, there was a lot of stuff that he had going on personally that he would bring out in whatever play he was in. And they would think, oh, he's method. Oh, he's drawing from past experiences. No, this just right. happened before he stepped on stage. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And yeah, it's between, so good. Berg and Hater get all the attention for like kind of being the creators of the show. But yeah. my God, they have so much talent up and down, whether it's the cast, the writing, the writers on the show. And yeah. now Bill Hader's just become an incredible director of all these episodes, too, that it's just an amazing transformation. A lot of people probably didn't think he had this in him coming from SNL. And I'm yeah. I'm so glad it turned into something like this, which I compare closer to like if the Coen brothers made television. Like it's yep. that, that like just dark comedy vibe that just hits me in the gut and, and is violent and it, it pulls no punches, but it yep. knows when to make a joke and when to like kind of keep the plot moving. I'm so impressed. And you know, it's the season three. I don't know how much more we're going to get. I don't know how many more episodes are left even, but man, I am just so into yeah, it know. right now. It is my perfect Sunday treat. Uh, <laughs> it saved me from uh, how badly the Celtics were playing in the NBA finals <laughs> the other night. So thank I you, hear that. Bill Hader and team for that. Um, but 
I'm glad we're all on board with that one. I think it might be moving up into my number one. Uh, I love Minx, but man, this might be <laughs> just jumping over that. Um, but after this break, we are going to get into the two kind of more popular big headliner selections of TV that have just started their first three episodes in Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Boys. So stay tuned, and we will get to all the minute details on those shows when we come back. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment Family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about Obi Wan Kenobi, the latest Star to. Wars show. I know. The latest <laughs> Star Wars show. Uh, it's not Moon Knight, bad, maybe ish. Uh, but, you know, we will get there. This is the latest Star Wars show on Disney Plus. Um, and of course, this brings back Ewan McGregor. Uh, reprising his role from the prequels that obviously I loved how the first episode was like, we're going to tell you all of the prequels in two minutes, <laughs> like just kind of yeah. downloaded the long. relationship. I know. Uh, and we still get kind of stuff harking back to the prequels in flashback form in this show as well. But this lands us uh, in the, the decade after revenge of the Sith and a decade before a new hope. Uh, we find Obi-Wan Kenobi keeping a low profile in relative seclusion on Tatooine, keeping an eye on a young Luke Skywalker, who is 10 years old, for anyone who wants to keep the math going. He is uh, out there dodging the Inquisitors who are hunting Jedis and Force-sensitive children. Uh, he is forced into action when young Leia Organa is kidnapped at the behest of Inquisitor Reva, who really has it in for Ben Kenobi. Uh, we're still trying to figure that one out and the motivations for that one. Uh, Obi-Wan saves her and goes on the run, only to be confronted by his former Padawan, Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader. Spoiler alerts for everything, um, as we will keep doing between that and our look at the boys after this one. Now, the first thing when I think of this show is the Patton Oswalt bit he did about the prequels where it's like no one gives a shit about how any of the characters I love grew up <laughs> you know it was that whole thing of like I don't care where my favorite things come from I just want more of my favorite thing and that show that's what this does like the show's impressive visuals like bring us into modern star wars but the plot is just back to the core issue of the phantom menace like you got an annoying kid no one gives a shit about that little version of that and you get way too much of them and when you're talking you're having the characters talk through the prism of a 10 year old the whole time so it very much dumbs down the approach of the show and especially once she starts in there because i thought like how the first episode actually started before all the kidnapping stuff and everything else goes through. I wasn't as upset uh, when he's like, kind of, when the Inquisitors show up and you have Benny Safdie playing a Jedi and them going after him in the cafe and some of these other things. 
I was less upset with that than I was post seeing or um Leia on Alderaan. I just uh so annoyed and then uh Jimmy Smith's hairpiece or whatever else is going on. All the things that just harken me back to like, oh right, all the stuff that I don't care. Um even though it's nice to see things like flea pop up and be a criminal, like basically going back to Big Lebowski, like he might as well have said, you know, I'm a nihilist. I, like you just give me your whatever's in your wallet and we'll call it even when they ca- catch him. I was like, yeah, please do that. But the other thing for me, and I don't know if this bothered you guys, the time period they're in. If somebody approached you and was like, hey, man, you know what we don't have for a show on Disney Plus? A show about Jedis. And you'd be like, right? Let's fucking do this. Let's get it done. Like, what are you thinking? How about Obi-Wan? Okay, cool. Like, why don't we do it right in the time period where he can't use any of his powers or his lightsaber out of fear of death? Wait, what? Why would we Why? Why would we do that? Why wouldn't we do it when he can kick some ass? Um, so that's what I think these first three episodes are to me. And I know you guys, and I'll, I'll get it, cause especially because I said, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Um, I know you guys had way more of an issue with the the Vader fight than I did, but I was definitely coming around to your <laughs> the dark side <laughs> of, the, of the episode uh, with that. So um, one thing I do want your opinion on uh, before we get started on general impressions I've heard this from a lot of people, and I heard it from a friend of mine over the weekend where they bring up the whole Favreau and Filoni thing that they said about their Star Wars projects where it was like, you know, they try to treat each episode like they're playing with their toys growing up and that they have all the access to all these, like, fun stuff, you know, and try to try to make it like you have to, you know, come at these shows with, like, a childlike enthusiasm to enjoy them, and I just think that's wholeheartedly wrong i didn't agree with that at all and i don't mean like i have to be a a stodgy 40 year old like looking at these through a person who saw star wars his whole life but i have no problem with the mandalorian but i do have a problem especially when they go back into these what i like to call strip mining of like the luke of the uh skywalker saga where it's just like we're just gonna get show after show after show of stuff that's like in an era but all it does is usually serve serve to like dilute characters that i already like or just kind of like mess up canon and get me mad at very small details that i shouldn't even care about so i'll start with chris on this one so what are your feelings your general impressions of the show and kind of like put through the the prism of kind of the statements i was just laying out there andrew we try and keep this tight these episodes <laughs> tight uh-huh. you don't have all this time i know no um yeah fair listen i am a fan of the original trilogy and i i may sound like you know a stodgy old man mm-hmm. but those are what i grew up on yeah those were sure. the uh original stories that i saw and i fell in love with the idea of this space opera yeah that was just like we hadn't seen anything like this before in our young minds. Right. As we grow older, we see its influences and, you know, how it was built. But... Yeah, shout out to Kurosawa. Yeah. <laughs> this was... This is my background. Yeah. Now, with everything beyond that, it seems like, hey, you like this outfit that he has? <laughs> you want to know how he got it? We have a full episode on that. 
It's yeah. just like, come yeah. on, I don't need to know every detail. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. It feels like every detail, every word that has been said in the original trilogy or the prequels is now just being expanded. It's yeah. being just, you know, spread thin. The, I, I don't completely want to crap on it. You know, there are certain nods to, like, you know, Leia, when she's older, I'm like, oh, I recognize that outfit. I recognize what they're trying to uh, sure. do there. You know, I can deal with that type of nostalgia. But overall, you can't just keep on saying, oh, remember uh, this happened? All right, we're going to talk about that. Remember right. when this happened? Guess what? We're going to bring that up again. It's like, come on, please. And I feel like a lot of, I feel like the this whole operation, the you know, the Mandalorian was so good that anything in that orbit kind of works. But like, to a man, I don't know anyone who liked Boba Fett until the Mandalorian showed up, and then and then this show, I feel like a lot of people are going to let them pass because we get to see Vader again, even though. My issues, and this is mine, so I don't expect you guys to completely go along. It's Rogue One Vader. It's not original trilogy Vader. They're very different, and I don't like the difference. But I, I am agree on that. okay. Good uh, because yeah, it just it bothers me uh, because you can't tell me that Vader just completely like I buy it more in this series than I did Rogue One because at least there's that time differential and and him kind of coming into his own as Vader himself and become you know even for the dark side being a wiser Jedi always helps to kind of not be this angsty kid in a robot costume versus like this wise old Jedi but it, it just it it the fact that he's so aggressive and so violent and not making other people do his bidding is just bizarre to me. It's just not the same character. Um, but Shane, I, I know you also have your issues with this. I don't know where you come at it. I don't know how big a Star Wars fan you are, actually, or any of that. So mm. how did you come into this? And were you kind of like me where I thought the trailer looked good? but And so it was selling me on a show that I really didn't think I was going to watch you know, because I knew it was going to make me kind of mad. Right. And now I'm like kind of kicking myself going, ah, I should have fucking known. I, the, I was in with the trailer and uh, anyone who knows me, I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy at all. Like at, okay. at, at all. Like <laughs> I like the Empire. I'm literally wearing a Mandalorian shirt right now, by the way. John Favreau turned me around because I was so invested in the Mandalorian and I liked yeah. Rogue One. I mean, so I liked a handful of movies, so I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, so... I come at this from just a different little little bit of a different perspective. I thought the Mandalorian they had more freedom because and, and please don't attack me, Star Wars fans, because I don't connect <laughs> I don't connect the cartoons to the to the movies, to the books and all that kind of stuff. Oh, we're canceled. I just yeah. felt like the Mandalorian you had more freedom, so you can kind of do whatever you want with his story. Agreed. With these shows in Bubba Fett, to me, like you said, wasn't interested in, until the Mandalorian showed up. Like it wasn't yeah. even a Bubba Fett show at times. It was like, who are these characters? So it's been very up and down. Again, I was looking forward to it based on the trailer. I like Ewan McGregor. I was so bored with the first two episodes. Like, yeah. I... Oh, my God. Like, the writing is so terrible. Like, the interactions with Ewan McGregor or Ben and, and Leia. Yeah. I, at one time, I'm like, is this Ewan McGregor's first day acting? Like, even his delivery <laughs> of these lines uh -huh. were bad. Yeah. Like, 
I think he scolded her and said, everyone's not good. Like, like he delivered it. And I cringed when he delivered it. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, like I said, it harkens me back to the, to, you know, Phantom Menace. Right. I don't like that there's no stakes because I want Leia to die. I wanted him to throw her through that little laser <laughs> cannon yep. and, and kill her. I feel like. Well, you also know Obi-Wan survives. You right. know Vader survives. You know everybody that isn't a brand new character to us is going to move on. Right. So, yeah, I agree. That's inherently an issue with all these prequels. And, and I'm sure we'll get into the third episode because that's kind of the only one worth discussing. I feel like they're wasting Joel Egerton. I'm like, why is he even in this show? I've seen him in one scene. Like, wh- yep. what's going on there? And I'm sorry, Star Wars fans. I don't like when you get an actor who plays an unrecognizable character because that was Zach Braff who played Flack, Tr- Fleek, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. I mean, oh, God. It just... Didn't they do that with, like, Daniel Craig was, like, a stormtrooper yes. in one of yes. the new movies and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, and some of these characters are just, like, one-note characters like Reva. I know she's getting a lot of flack on Twitter, but I just think they made her I do feel bad about that. That is awful. Yeah. That, all that stuff is awful. It's she terrible. doesn't deserve it. No. I actually like Moses Ingram, which, by the way, uh, I finished Ambulance and, and enjoyed my side, and she's a part of that. She's so, a good actress. Know, I like her. It's just I liked her in Queen's Gambit, too. Yeah, yeah, the script that they gave her, the way her character is written, it's, it's bad. It's it's just bad. The Inquisitors don't make a whole lot of sense as like a group either, because that lead guy is like badass. You're looking at him, and then like immediately he's undercut, yeah. and then the third guy is like doing a voice. There's a lot of weird it, stuff. Like with you, those I agree with the, I agree with you with the Darth. I don't Vader. know the hierarchy, right? Like with the Darth yeah. Vader stuff. Like I, yeah, like, I'm with you. They're all fighting for scraps. And I think I I texted Chris. I was like. They've just turned Obi-Wan to the biggest vagina in the galaxy. Like, yep. did you forget everything about being a Jedi? I know he had, whatever, man. Like, I know we'll get into that third episode, which was a mess, but. But like I said, are- they put this show right in the hardest part to sell. Right. It's like, hey, you have space knights who have fun weapons. What do we do with them? Let's not have them do anything for two and a half out of the three episodes. Keep it on your host. And, and like you said, we exactly. have three episodes left, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, where are we going with this? Like, wh- Yeah. And then the Vader stuff. Well, we can get into it, I guess, a little bit because, again, like you said, that's probably the more interesting stuff. Dude is straight up, like, force choking people from, like, 50 yards away. This guy is intense. He has, like, all kinds of crazy power that I've never really seen him unleash um, yet. Oh, fucking fire ruins everything. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know how to overcome one little kind of diversion and all that. Stuff. It just seems so weird because he was so in control that I was like, Obi-Wan should be dead. Yeah. Like, he just should be dead. And then they just kind of, it just whimpers out. And <clears throat> so even that, I don't know what we're doing. And for the kind of burns he sustained and how long he was in that fire, he should be as mangled as Anakin was practically for how long he was in that fire. Well, I was even saying with that, like, okay, maybe this is going to explain how he, he ages up. Yeah. Because, you know, he goes from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness in 10 years. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's hilarious now that they've done it's it. It's like, way, seriously, yeah. they should have just, like, you know, aged him up at the beginning of it and said, okay, we'll put him, a, you know, through a little bit more of a ringer put some wrinkles on him by the end of the episode, and then we can kind of have a feel, okay, in 10 years' time, he's going to turn to Alec Guinness. Yeah. He's been through some stuff. And all due respect to Sir Alec Guinness, um, not exactly, you know, in Silver Fox territory 
at that point either. Where right. like I could see in ten years, McGregor, you know, with a little more age, maybe it gets a little something closer if he was turning into like Sean Connery. But he's not turning into <laughs> that. He's turning into end of life Alec Guinness. So uh, not exactly the same on that. He's not Lawrence of Arabia at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like uh, like the Wilford Brimley kind of effect. <laughs> Where he's yeah. just like, oh, in this movie, he was 38 years old. It's like, oh, my God, he, Wilford Brimley looks old. Yeah, he looked the same uh, for, like, like, a 30-year oh stretch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, in The Firm, he was 28 years old. And it's like, no way, no way. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, then you, you see those memes that come around with, uh, like, uh, Daniel Lawrence. Uh Ralph Macchio, yeah, Ralph Macchio is the same age as. Uh, By the way, it's Larusso. Uh, Get yourself together. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Uh, Pat Morita was at the first Karate Kid. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's wild. That doesn't compute. I know, but he also looked it's... old in Happy Days. Like it was just he I know, always looked that age, just with a little more grays. Yeah. Shout out to Arnold. Yeah. Um. So I think at this point. I don't know what to do with this show. I'm going to stick with it because it's only six episodes. And I think that's also, by the way, part of the Disney strategy. We're like, we're going to do this week to week. We're going to keep you tethered until the next nerdy-ish show, which they already have Ms. Marvel coming up anyway. Yeah. But the fact that we have to do this dance uh, for three more weeks, and I don't know what I'm looking forward to. I have kind of a small theory that seems fun where maybe Reva is kind of a double agent, where she kind of is baiting Obi-Wan to come in to maybe to join her to try to take down Vader from the inside. But, like, that's the only thing that's fun, but that is, like, my own delusion. There's not a ton of evidence there. But she is a Jedi, basically. Right. Because she has all these Force powers. So part of me thinks that she survived Order 66 and that she's secretly pissed at Anakin and that this is the best way to draw Vader out. But if that happens, you're going to do that in three episodes now. Uh, I don't know if that's how that works or how intriguing that would be. And that is the best case scenario. So I also heard a, uh, another fan theory that um, Vader is playing with uh, Obi-Wan to bring him to his lowest. So he'll turn to the dark side. So he'll have Mm. where the, the, uh, Padawan becomes the master. Yeah, but I'm like, it. It still doesn't give me the idea that these characters that I know from the original original trilogy, that's where they're headed. But also, you know Chris, I mean? and it's I don't like, mean to sound like such a fucking nerd right now. I really uh, don't. But let's like, go nerd. Come on. Isn't there? It there's o- there's always two with the Sith. Yes. So isn't yeah. Palpatine and Anakin, like, that is the two. So there is no recruitment here unless he's going to take out Palpatine, which brings out a whole thing, which we know he doesn't do, and he's still submissive to him. And, oh, by the way, where the fuck is that dude right now? Uh, Because he's way more prominent than Vader at this point, especially now, you know, versus years from now. So I don't know. There's a lot to. I don't like it when they go backwards. They always fuck this up. You you hit a a good key point. If this season was ten episodes, I would have pulled the plug. You guys would be reviewing this on your own. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that like much like Moon Knight, I think I'd be on my own. Right, which 
you know, six episodes is manageable, especially when they drop like two or three on a, in a, in a day. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, now I can get through. I can begrudgingly get through three more episodes of this show. Sure. But I like your idea. If they went in that direction, I'm like, okay. But for now, it's like, mm. just, and you know, it's weird because I'll watch movies like, <laughs> like Fast and Furious and I see something ridiculous. I'm like, well, that's Fast and Furious. I expect that. Yeah, I you're guess, like, I watched Interceptor over the week. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I watched stuff like this, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the whole tunnel scene at the very end. Like, that new character should have ran into Reva, and then how did Reva get in front of Leia? That tunnel only went, like, one direction. Like, that, sure. that whole thing. I also love, and this is not my idea, I loved listening to uh, The Watch, shout out to The Watch on the Ringer Podcast Network, uh, Chris Ryan and all them, but... <laughs> They love, I love the fact that like the empire is basically like, you know, copy paste version of the Nazis practically with like this, even down to the stormtroopers being literally what the Nazis called their army people. Um, but you know, part of the whole Mussolini thing and Nazis and everything, the trains run on time. You go to one fucking airport in the Star Wars thing, they're like, ah, oh, flights are grounded. Everything's canceled. Nothing's running. We're like, oh, nothing works around here. It's like, really? Really? Come on, man. You can't even do your dark siding right. You have no Jedis around. You fucking murdered everybody. This is your high time, and you still can't get the trains running on time. The transporters running on time. So, yeah. That's, I, again, I hate it when I go nitpicky. I hate it when I have to look at, like, well, that doesn't match up with canon. Like, the whole <laughs> fact that, like, Leia sends a message to Obi-Wan, first five, ten minutes of A New Hope in the droid, and is like, hey, remember how you serve with my father? The first thing out of her mouth would be like, hey, old buddy, remember when you saved my life? That was good. I need you again. Yeah. There should be, yeah. like, a camaraderie. Not... Hey, what's up, Ben? I think <laughs> yeah. that's your name. Um, Daddy said you're good. Like, that doesn't fucking work anymore. So, I don't know. I've seen a bunch of explainer things online where people just want to justify this show, and I don't get it. I don't know why they are bad people dying on a hill for this weak writing that's going on. I don't get it. Um, I also... And, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, and, and what did I say off air? Uh, about the whole uh, electrified gate that they can walk oh, around, but it's like, oh, he has to break through it. It's like, come on, <clears throat> yeah. just what? Don't paint yourself into a corner when writing this stuff. Yeah, he has very limited times to actually be a badass. Can you just have him bust that thing open the first time instead of going, ah, oh, God, what are we gonna do with this? Do you have a, do you have a a blade or a, is there, a something? Is there a code? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know the code? Yeah. Is there a manager I could speak to on the other side of this electrified fence? <laughs> so, yeah, I think it gets too much in its own head, in its own, in the weeds, into the mind of a 10-year-old. Like, sometimes it, Up its own butt. I like Kumail's little thing that was in there. I thought that was fun. I thought basically anything outside of Leia. the 10-year-old interactions of these things, I think I'd be able to stomach this show a lot more. But it just doesn't work for me. And I, I, I hope it gets more interesting. Three episodes left. We'll probably either do a check-in in a couple of weeks or wait to the finale and kind of kind of look at it in total. But, yeah, right now, not looking looking forward to that. But there is another show on Amazon Prime that's in its third season, already rocking and rolling, that dropped three episodes that I know we want to talk about, which we'll take a quick break and come back and talk about the boys. 
So as opposed to the last segment on Obi-Wan, this should be more of a love fest, I believe, for The Boys Season 3, which dropped its first three episodes all at once. And I got to say, guys, like this show is known for being crazy and outlandish and with no filter. This is a whole other level, I think, for this. Because, you know, we're picking up from some intense stuff from the end of Season 2 with Butcher especially and Homelander's son, uh, and just a lot of like death and loss and people regrouping and everything else. There is some of that still here. But when you tell me in the first 10 minutes there are the following things. A Charlize Theron cameo. Full frontal nudity. Murder by sneezing in an asshole. Sex in a bathroom where someone's hair gets pulled out of their head and thrown in the trash. In the first 10 minutes, that is a show... It, that is the type of show The Boys is and can be. And from what I heard, I, I was listening to the Ringerverse one, and they brought on uh, the guy who plays Mother's Milk, and he was just like, you ain't seen shit yet. And I'm like, really? <laughs> How much stuff have we seen between, you know, <laughs> the deep, all the stuff with the deep, where he's, like, having sex while watching a octopus or whatever and then having to eat the octopus later. like there is so much crazy stuff poor tim i know he's praying i fuck oh i love that it was so like cringy but it was so good but while the boys are kind of known for that kind of stuff i think the the most interesting stuff is actually more the plot stuff this time around where i'm so interested in the homelander turning into uh that uh, run for Superman when he was Breaking Bad and he was like a a Russian wasn't he a Russian product uh, from that one? That was an Elseworlds story uh, where he uh, his pod landed in Russia instead of America and he was brought up by uh, yeah Russians. and he's evil yeah yeah but doesn't like so or there was like the whole you even have a version of that obviously in uh, Batman versus Superman all that stuff yeah the Justice League stuff and everything else too but. Those were, like, less interesting because you kind of knew who he was or where he would go back to or whatever. Homelander has no compass. He's just <laughs> crazy. If anything, I just love my favorite part of this. Basically, he craves power now more than popularity. And yet, he's still getting the popularity from it. So, he's completely being glorified and enabled and encouraged to be the most awful parts of himself and he just gets off on it he knows he can just he has so much power that he could just level cities and he'll threaten it but i think he gets off more about the threats than actually doing it like and you can kind of see that kind of coming together in this season and between that and butcher kind of having to kind of adjust uh and and back off what i thought was actually kind of a sweet relationship uh, with him and Homelander's son there. You know, it's it's just wild to see this happening. And now you got the whole Butcher taking superhero pills, you know, that are being developed by Vought and and the the senator sideline where she's a secret soup and all these other things. And, and Starlight, I thought that's uh, episode three kind of bookending with her swallowing shit as a youth in a pageant with her mom and kind of bookending it with what she has to deal with from kind of leaning into uh, Huey's request to stay in the fight 
and then having to swallow Homelander kind of trying to force a relationship, a uh, public relationship on her. I thought that was incredible writing. This is the opposite of what we were just kind of talking about, where I'm engaged on every level of the writing in this show. Um, I believe we started with you, Chris, last time. So, Shane, I know you were gearing up for, for this season of The Boys, and it's one of your favorite shows, and it seems to have not let you down. No, not at all. Like, you summed it up in the first 10 minutes of the show. I'm like, the whole termite scene, jumping in someone's... Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yes. what the yeah. hell? Uh, that the, was the asshole, right? Not the penis? Or no, was he the went penis? in the penis first. No, he penis. went in the penis. Yep. But he got to the prostate? No, oh, so he was I like don't all even the think way. he I made it that far. Okay. I don't know. It's all it's all it just random. It was still light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. it just was insane. But yes, Anthony Starr, a.k.a. Homelander, just chews up every scene he is in. So like, good. And you're right. His power, which Stan Edgar had him neutered, through the first like two episodes, but episode and a half, you know what I mean? Because yeah. his numbers yeah. were down, and he really did care about that right. until they made him. I wrote down they made him take a Donald Trump turn. They with, did, with, and nobody wants to say that out loud because out of fear of also retribution. But basically, that's exactly what they're doing, right? And he, the writers of that show, they said they're like news junkies, and they basically have kind of transformed it to be just different enough from the comic stuff and be a little more modern, and that's the result. Right. So when he finally just unloaded and told the truth and his numbers went up in a certain demographic, which I thought yes. they were very smart in pointing that out, the demographic right. that he got, and like, oh, su- su- suburbia doesn't care about you, but, like, you yeah. know, he'll build his He's next- always been on some version of Fox News all right. the time and but- everything else, yeah. Like when he made the girl jump off the roof, that's right. Yeah, right. Oh that's right. I thought, like, oh man, he is really coming unhinged. And that whole stormfront yeah. scene in the hospital. I was going like, to say we haven't even mentioned storm stormfront yet. And she's like a, a quarter of a person, and he like lowers the bed and like <laughs> makes her give funny. him a sad handy. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god, what is yeah. going on with this guy? I loved it. Uh, I, I love this cast. Uh, shout out to Billy Zane for being in the scene here. Um, he was? Yes. Did I miss that? With yes. the deep. He did the uh, made-for-TV movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I love that whole thing. That was so good. Yes. I'm a huge Jensen Eccles fan from Supernatural, so I was curious to see how they're going to shoehorn him into this, because I'm always worried about a C- – no offense to CW. I love CW. But I'm always worried <laughs> about them taking an actor from a CW show and kind of putting him into a more prominent show on a bigger stage. Yeah, and I liked how they kind of introduced him and that whole payback team. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but Carl Urban, I mean, he's great. I love that little standoff in the parking garage he had with uh, uh, Soldier with Boy's the- little sidekick there. I yeah. also I wanted to bring this up. I love the inc- <laughs> sorry, I love the inclusion land. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, so good. My God. I love everything about that scene. So yeah. they are in crazy. I love my favorite characters are Mother's Milk, and I love anytime Frenchie and Kimiko uh are on screen together. I, I like yeah, that pair. So this show is not disappointing. It's clicking on all cylinders, and I cannot freaking wait just to see how crazy Homelander gets and how they're gonna resolve that issue. Yeah, and it's also so interesting how much the relationship, the dynamic between him and, and Butcher, too. Like, because basically Homelander has no one to go to. And so even in that weird moment where he kind of, like, shows up at his apartment, it's like, why are you even here? It's because he has no one. And 
you know, because Stormfront, it's always so funny when he visits the hospital. He's like trying to have some kind of conversation. She came and speak. He's like, listen, just blink if you agree with me. All right. Or if you blink, if you think you want to tell me happy birthday. That was so weird, but so great. Um, it's actually this is a nice pairing between this and Barry. I th- I think I'm just seeing how much of a deviant I am. There's like levels <laughs> where I'm just like completely fine with everything going on uh, in these shows. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the fact that like Butcher's kind of like the thing that keeps him going, but also has like, cause like I said, he's got so much power. He could do whatever he want, but he, to make him human or to make him personable or any of those things and keep him grounded, it's Butcher and the kid that kind of tether him to that. I love that dynamic. It, it's so interesting to see when they pair off, especially now that Butcher can make himself a soup for 24 hours or more. That still seems like he's got stuff kicking around, but he only took like one pill. So yeah. that I'm aware of. So that's, that's going to be interesting. And I also love um, the Huey and, and, and Starlight stuff where Huey's just jaded now, like to where he's coming back to the fold of like, we got to do whatever it takes, but the, whatever it takes is like getting super messy really fast. So by the time it gets to the end, there might be some wild regrets. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling about this season thus far? Uh, you know, I fell asleep in the first 20. No, no, <laughs> this is this is so good. Like yeah. I was just telling someone today that uh, the boys TV should not be as good as it is. Yeah. Based on the comic book, which I've read the first volume, uh, first collected volume, like it it just it brings heart to this messed up world yeah <laughs> where the comic book is just like it's almost like oh if you were had a superpower would would you be good or would you use your powers for evil right. and it seems like everyone uses their power for self-serving evil yeah <laughs> if you have to put a name on it sure and in this, it's just like you can see where the wheels are turning. Yeah. You can see why you can see everyone's motivations as to why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And I love the dynamic of everyone in it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not just two dimensional characters, it's just they are well fleshed out. You follow them all along, you know what each storyline is going for. Right. And it all comes together so well. This, I can't believe it's three seasons of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just it, getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting started. And uh, I, I think what? It's eight episodes for I this season? So. Yeah. Yeah. So already in three episodes, they're doing better than most three episodes of any series. Look at yeah. you, Obi-Wan. Um, but, yeah. They make it look so easy. Because yeah. especially for how many characters they have, I thought I was going to get a little lost, especially if they had to add anything. We right. haven't even mentioned like a train, right? It's all yeah. Africa getting to my roots thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my getting, God. And yeah. again, from that conversation I heard with Mother's Milk, they're like, there's a lot more to him, too. And they're like really hammering on the mental health thing and some some other things going on. So there's a lot more there, too. So well, we're talking five episodes. What yeah. what are we going to get here, and how many people are going to develop through? Plus, now they're going to Russia or whatever to try to you know get a weapon 
that can face off against Homelander too. There's a lot. There's a oh, lot yeah. going on. And I like how uh, Homelander is like kind of getting into A Train's head. It's just like yeah. you can see the girdle, Jesus. The you girl know? thing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, really I'm like, are, oh my yeah. god, that's so terrible. And I, I forget for like a split second that yeah, he was like his heart gave out, you know, uh, with uh, being on V for so long. And yeah, now that he's off it, he's afraid to do any of the uh, the activities where, okay, I'm I'm eating all these carbs, but now I have to run it off. I yeah, can't yeah. run it off. I'm scared, yeah. you know. And the whole African thing was just so stupid. Like, because he like needed stupid something. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, but no, he, he needed he, something. He needed the angle. And I like that whole like conversation with him on the stoop talking to him and his brother. His coat. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was very cool to kind of like see all the angles and really flesh it out. And yeah, he's like right that, up the so. street is where you know someone was like you know it, it was a hate crime basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'll throw money in their way. It's like, no, no, just be a hero to these people. Yeah. Don't, and we barely don't talked about the it. soldier boy thing, too. You know, where right. that can be something huge. I don't know if uh, they've even listed who soldier boy like really is or who he's even played by. Did they? Yeah. Jensen Nichols. Yeah. I mentioned Jensen Nichols from Supernatural. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yep. Yeah. See, I, I guess I don't know that show well enough to be like, oh, that's that guy and that's whatever yeah. but but it is funny know. uh to know and i totally forgot this casting was uh gunpowder his uh little yeah. sidekick mm-hmm. is sean patrick flannery it is yeah yes oh that's so funny i yes. recognize him when his helmet came off yeah and and uh it, like and it was an exposed face it wasn't like you know it was a full mask helmet it was a yeah just like a helmet on his head taken off i was like oh that's sean patrick flannery right yeah so let's go so. back to that scene real quick because I think you're that's the first scene I watched where I think Butcher's been always like on the wild side, but I felt like he started to unravel there when he basically turned his face in the mush because he didn't have yeah. to yes. go that far. But yeah. he was like, Man, I was like, Holy crap. So I think we're gonna see where that V starts to mess with him even more and he's gonna start even going over his own already outside the line boundaries on what he's gonna do. Possibly. Yeah, I wonder if it's really gonna break up the group. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where, like I said, there's either going to be regret that they went this hard at all, and then just how hard he can go now because he's on this stuff. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how that gets all split up. And like I said, buyer's remorse with uh, Starlight, too, just like listening to Huey and now ending up into a much deeper hole with Homelander, who's the scariest person you can align with. So <laughs> Yes. There, there's so much to go here, and I don't want to get too in the weeds because that's the beauty. I love it when a show does so well and knows its character so well and everything else because it makes our job easier. We basically yeah. wrapped up probably what our first complaint was with Star Wars and, and Obi-Wan. And we just nailed all the season, the <laughs> entire season of season three. Um, so any other stuff you guys got going on? I, there's so much I'm looking forward to, but, you know. We kind of like touched on that a little bit. Is there anything in particular you guys are looking forward to with this that we haven't brought up? Maybe. No, I think we hit every nail on the head. I mean, every angle I can think of. Um, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy the ride for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I I really don't want to think about it. I just want to enjoy the ride, like Shane said. Yeah. 
Yeah, just experience it. You know, yeah, it's the exactly. same thing like what I was saying with Barry, where like every week I'm like, I know it's going to be something so ridiculous, but they are good about moving the plot along. And it's the same thing here. So yeah. um, great writing, great show. Looking forward to more. And, of course, there is going to be more from us uh, to come because it is turning into, like we've teased uh, quite a bit these last few weeks of what's coming up. So many movies. Uh, I know we have Jurassic World Dominion, which, uh, you know, I don't know if Shane got to me, man. I'm slowly, even though I haven't <laughs> been fully invested between that and the Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Goldblum of it all, I, I, I think I'm actually going to be like, at least happy to be there. Whether I'm happy at the end of it, we'll see. And we'll obviously have to listen to our reviews to find out. But, yeah, so much of that stuff. Uh, the new Adam Sandler movie is starting to play around here. That's going to be out on Netflix, uh, Hustle, which was on our uh, 10 most anticipated movies with that. There's a lot of stuff, man, and, and you got to keep coming back and listening to our most recent activity every single week. Uh, so I think that wraps it up for us. Thanks to Shane and Chris, as always, and thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week on Recent Activity. <laughs>